I am the most technologically impaired guy in the room. But here's what I found out just a few months ago. Uh, I, I don't hear well, so I have hearing aids, and I don't see real well, and I found out I could put this sermon on here and put it in like 200 font. <laughs> and now I can see it, all right? So I, I, I'll never be one of those cool young guys that can do that stuff. I think these are all demon-possessed myself, but that's just, <laughs> just my opinion. It's an honor to be with you. If you got your Bible, turn to John 21, okay? John 21, we're going to dive in there and just study a great passage of Scripture. It's so good to be back uh, home, uh, second home for us. And uh, yeah, I mean that. And Hayden and Nina, I love these guys so much. They are just an inspiration into my life. And I'm glad we get to help and pour in a little bit to you guys. And uh, gosh, uh, while you're uh, turning there, I'm going to ask you to pray also. Just put it on your, your memory bank. When you are praying for your vacation Bible school, and you're praying this week for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we have a team uh, right now in Cuba that will be doing a, a vacation Bible school uh, in uh, the city of Con Consolacion, which is up in the northwest part of Cuba. I've been down there two or three times uh, working with pastors, and I just want to tell you, God is alive, and he is well, and he is moving in the nation of Cuba. And so people are coming to Jesus in bucket loads. And uh, so uh, people will try to say you got to worship a man as God. I'm telling you, Jesus is the only Lord, and he can break down any communistic country that will try to suppress him. So anyway, I'll get to preach another sermon if I'm not careful. So I want to get in on this one. I heard the old joke about the, you know, about the, the chicken wanting to lay an egg on the, on the interstate, and he's standing there contemplating, and the rooster come up and said, man, let me tell you how. you got to lay it on that line. you got to do it quick, all right? So i got to lay it on the line. i got to do it quick because I, I believe... Uh, I've got a word from the Lord for you. And uh, I, I hope and pray, uh, when I first started preparing for this, I was going to actually do a, a, a sermon about the four guys that uh, brought their uh, friend to Jesus who was paralytic. And uh, Hayden was, was that I had a privilege to speak to our missionaries at our missions conference. And that was the message I've delivered to them. And I thought, Lord, uh, is that where you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And I, then I, God said, no, we don't want to go there. And then I thought, well, maybe we'll do uh, 10 things to do in case you miss the rapture. And Jesus comes back. All right, what do you need to do? I, I primarily do this for my deacons to make sure that, because I'm not sure. That's a joke. Come on. Laugh. It's okay to laugh in the house of God. And, uh, but I, I kept coming back to this topic. And I, I believe God's got a word for us. John 21, you follow along as I read. I use the New King James Version. You use whatever you want. We won't fall out with each other. Everybody all right? So understand, here's what it says, beginning in chapter 1. By the way, I'm going to read the whole chapter. Uh, I'm an old expository preacher, which means we take a passage of Scripture and we take all of our points through it and we develop that way. I, I teach, I'm teaching through the book of Revelation at our church right now. And so that's what I do. And so we're going to break this text down here. Because I remember, I, I learned a long time ago, Dr. Stephen Olford was one of my mentors. And he said, listen, Tom, always use God's Word because they may forget what you say but the word of God will never return void. So we use God's book. Here we go. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Uh, uh, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John. You know what their nickname was, right? The sons of thunder. I have three older brothers, I can just imagine. And 
two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Now, I want to take just a moment. We'll do a little commentary style as we read through. The, the importance of languages cannot be underestimated here because here's what Peter said in the Greek. I'm leaving my current profession and I'm going back to my old one. Remember, Peter was a fisherman when Jesus called him and said, follow me. And he said, I'm, I'm done. I, I'm going back. Now, look at verse 2. And then they said to him, all those guys listed, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into a boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples, they didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, I love the old King James Version here. The new King James says, children, have you any food? Je the old King James says, hey, fellas, did you catch any fish? Did you catch any fish? We'll, we'll come back to that one. And they answered, no. Three of these guys were professional fishermen. That's what they did. That's how they fed their families. And they've been out all night long and haven't caught a thing. And Jesus said to them, cast the, the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, uh, John, this is his gospel, he said to Pete, he said, Pete, it's Jesus We've been here before. That, that's the Lord. And now when Simon Peter heard it, that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment. He was in his swimming trunks. He put on his outer garment, uh, he had, for he had removed it. And, and he plunged into the sea and started swimming to shore. And the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, and dragging the net with them of fish. Then as soon as they'd come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread, and Jesus said to them, uh, bring some of the fish which you have caught. And Simon Peter went up and, listen to this now, all those guys couldn't get the net out. No, Simon Peter, man, he, he, you talk about adrenaline flowing. And, uh, you know, he's, he's walked off and now he's coming back and so he's going to try to impress Jesus. Can, let me help you on this one. Don't ever try to impress Jesus, okay? Just, just don't try it. I have, okay? I got a T-shirt. I survived it, so don't try it. All right, but look, look at what Peter, and Cedar, Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish. I mean, this ain't even a fisherman's story. You know, these, these are a lot. When the Bible says it's a large fish, they didn't make that up, okay? And all there, they were, let's see, back up, full of large fish, 153. Uh, somebody counts somewhere. Everybody okay? We always wonder why we count people when they come to church. They, they count all over the Bible. They fed 5,000, 12 disciples, 12 apostles. Everybody okay? Very good. Jesus uh, said to them, come and eat breakfast. You, you realize Jesus wants to have lunch with you today? He wants to go home to your house and have lunch with you. And Jesus said to his renegade guys, hey guys, fellas, come on up. Let's, let's have something to eat. And Simon Peter, uh, you know, uh, he, he invites them to come and... and uh, Yet none of the disciples dare ask him, who are you, knowing that it was Lord. You ever, know, you ever get in trouble and you know you're in trouble? And you get, you get called into the principal's office or you get called in before your parents and, and you're in trouble, you know it. And so you take the silent route. You're not going to say anything because you know you're in deep weeds and uh, there ain't no getting out of it. And uh, Jesus then came and he took the bread 
and he gave it to them and likewise the fish. And note verse uh, 14. Now this is the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Pete, Hey Pete, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? The Greek construction uh, alludes to, do you love me more than your business? And he said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, uh, feed my lambs. And Jesus the second time came and said, hey, Pete, son of Jonah, do you love me more than the material things you have? Your, your boats, your home, your possession, your nets, uh, your retirement. Do you love me more than these things? And Pete says, uh, you know, Lord, that I love you. Hey, Peter tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Pete was grieved because he said to him the third time, and do you love me? And he, he, in, the, in, in, in the languages, it gets very dramatic here. And, and Peter said to him, Lord, come on, you know everything. You know that I love you. I can't imagine saying that to Jesus, could you? And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say unto you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked wherever you want to walk. He said, Pete, when you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you somewhere you don't want to go. This, he spoke, Jesus spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me. Then Jesus turning around, or Peter rather, and this is one of my favorite parts in Scripture, by the way. All right, don't miss what's getting ready to happen here. Can you imagine? You're sitting around a campfire and you're eating and Jesus just tells Peter how he's going to die. Okay? Now this is what I love about Peter because he, I'm so much like him because I'm so spontaneous and sometimes I, I speak before I think. Now, ladies, you don't have a husband who has that problem, right? Yeah, because you understand that's how you get along in marriage. You, you learn to think before you speak. Because see, I know what makes Donna tick and I know what makes her ticked. And those are two things. And sometimes I'll say something, and I don't even have to say a word. I just go get my pill and blanket. I'm going to be on the couch two or three days in sackcloth and ashes. It's going to cost me a lot to get out of purgatory. And I don't even believe in purgatory, okay? So, Pete, this happens. He gets, he's kind of, you know, you got to be taken back because, uh, you know, he's going to die upside down on a cross. And so he looks around, look at him, how human he is. Peter turned around, saw the disciple whom John loved, or Jesus loved John, of course, who had also leaned on his breast at the supper. I mean, they were friends, just a great, great hug. I mean, and uh, Pete says, uh, Lord, what about him? What's going to happen to him, Lord? And what about John? And Jesus said to him, if I will that John remains till I come, what is that to you? Follow me. Then the saying went out among the brethren about at, that this disciple would not die, yet Jesus didn't say that, that he wouldn't die. All he said was, if I want him to live till I come back, what's that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true, and there are many other things Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should have been written. Amen. Now, I want us to 
look at this subject of, of follow me. And I want to begin it with just a, 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 just a reality check real quickly with just two little bullet points. The first one says this. We're never far from success when we permit Jesus to give the orders. We're not very far from it. And I'll develop that point as we go through. But we're not far from it. Secondly, we're usually closer to success than we realize. Listen, if, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Savior, you know, you know how close you are to coming to Him? It's as simple as the mention of His name. Jesus, save me. And He'll come into your life and forgive you of your sins and you'll spend eternity with Him. That's how close you are. But sometimes, well, we, 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 we get into this life and we get into what's called church and ministry and and marriage and all these other things and people are checking out everywhere. Why? Because they don't understand how close to success they really are. All right, good stuff. Now, this is, by the way, I like my own preaching. You'll hear me say amen every now and then because I like my own. I started pastoring with eight people in a, in a little block church building and uh, nobody said amen but me. But what was really cool about it, it was a little block church building. And when I said amen, the, it, it bounced off every wall. Amen, 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 amen. So I just like to affirm my own preaching. Now, this is the seventh time that Jesus has appeared to people. Third time with his disciples in this group and this bunch. But he's already appeared now seven different times. Times. The disciples have left Jerusalem and they're going back home. They're, they're going to the, uh, the Sea of Tiberias slash Galilee. If you've ever been there, you understand the incredible beauty of the site. It's, if you ever get to go to the Holy Land, and when I'm Ohio, I have to tell everybody that's not Kentucky, all right? So if you ever get to go to the Holy Land, trust me, it is a spectacular, spectacular site. And I can imagine as they're going, um, the disciples are going, man, I, I wonder what Jesus really wants from us. What's his goal is he has tested our faith. He's permitted these great obstacles in, in, our, in our life and sometimes in my life to hinder seemingly my growth. And sometimes I feel like he's allowing pain and defeat to come into my life to overwhelm me. But all Jesus wanted to do was bring his disciples closer to him in that relationship. He wanted to change us from relying on ourselves to solely relying on Him. He, wanted to make, he wants to make us powerful, godly Christian men and godly Christian women. When Jesus Christ called and commissioned Peter again, Pete must have been absolutely overwhelmed with what was going on around him. And yet, in the midst of this great confusion, his denial had been so severe. Uh, to be around a coal of fires, we'll pick that back up here in just a moment. He realized the, the last smell that came into Pete's nostrils when he, re, when he denied Jesus was from a coal of fires. Now Jesus draws him back to land and what's the Bible saying when they come to the shore? There's a coal of fire and something to eat. See, when you walk away from Jesus, he'll bring you back right to the spot where you walked away from him. And you'll start over again. Only reason I know I've been there. Been there and done it. So I understand that point. Can you imagine? He wouldn't make it on a pulpit committee's 
thing today. What, what's your resume? Well, uh, I denied him three times and I cussed out a little girl around a campfire. <laughs> we wouldn't entertain him for a pastor of a church. And yet Jesus said, I, I see a rock in there. I see what other people don't see. You understand Jesus sees what's in you right now and he wants to take what you've got and he wants to use it for his kingdom, his glory, and his honor. You may think you have nothing. Listen, God doesn't make junk. Never has. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are you. You're a new creature in Christ. He doesn't create junk. So he's got a plan for your life. Now, what lessons can we learn? Everybody okay? I'm a teaching pastor, so I got to get back to the notes and because uh, I didn't give you an outline today, because if I don't get all the way through the notes, my wife, my wife gets mad at me. <laughs> my, my wife will say to me, well, if you're not going to use it, why'd you put it in there? <laughs> We're just having fun. Would you all relax? <laughs> all right, now, here's some lessons we learned. Number one, if you're taking notes, I think it'll be on the screen. No matter what has happened, nor what you've said, Jesus isn't through with you. Doesn't matter what's happened. Doesn't matter what you say. He's not done. 25 years of age, I got my eyes off Jesus, got my eyes on people in church, and I went through, we went through another uh, church uh, split and separation, and as a 25-year-old man, I walked out and said, I'm done. I I'm not going back. And I didn't go to anybody's church for almost five years. And God got a hold of my life. And he used my daughter to get me to come back to church by guilt. Everybody okay? So I, I know what I'm talking about here when I look at you and say, listen, no matter what you've said or no matter what you've done, God's not through with you yet. He's going to use you. I can remember after four and a half years, Hayden, I'm going back to church with my wife that afternoon. I did my own schedule. I was a supervisor with McDonald's, but I always scheduled myself to work on Sunday so I didn't have to go to church. Y'all all right? Trust me. And so that afternoon when I came home, my uh, daughter, my oldest daughter at the time, eight, nine years of age, looked at me and said, hey, Dad, can I stay home with you? And I said, no, honey, I, I think I'm going to go to church with you guys tonight. And I always joked after I called 911, they revived my wife. <laughs> On the way to church, this is what I said. This is a speech. I could recite it almost word for word. Honey, I just want you to understand something. I'm going to go back to church. I didn't put it in these words. I really want to be the best hypocrite I can in front of my children. So I'm going to go, but I'm never going to sing again. I'm never going to teach again. I'm never going to work with teenagers ever again. And we just bought a bunch of them to Las Vegas. I had people tell me I'd lost my mind. Well, folks, I have, you know, there's two sides of your brain. One's lost. The other one's out looking for it in my case. So I understand. All right? Hey, listen, I'm not doing any of this stuff again. And for six months, I came and sat. That's all I did. Tipped God in the offering when it by, went by. All but one service, Hayden. Pastor said, hey, service is over. We're going we're gonna to have a baptism today. I sat there in the seat. I thought, oh, this is fine. That was on Sunday night. It didn't bother me because I still scheduled myself to work on Sunday mornings. And a little seven-year-old boy walked in the baptistry. And the Holy Spirit gripped my heart and said, you forgot what it was all about, didn't you? It's about all them little kids coming to vacation Bible school tomorrow. It's about people who need Jesus. Tom, you got your eyes off of me. You got it off of something else. So I'm telling you, I'm a living testimony. Six months later, he called me to preach. God's got a marvelous sense of humor. So understand, 
no matter where you've been, what's happened, what you've said, Jesus isn't through with you. Number two, if you quit, you'll take others with you. About okay? Don't ever underestimate the sphere of influence you have. And if you quit, you'll take others with you. Listen, I'm pastoring a little church that I went to. My first pastor, matter of fact, um, next month, August, will be my 30th year in pastoring in the ministry. Just kind of dawned on me when we're sitting out there. Yeah, thank you. My, the first church that called me to preach, we had, we had eight people. Okay? Eight. And uh, after a year and a half, I couldn't lead eight people to the water fountain without a fight. Everybody all right? And so I'm telling you this because I know what it's like to say I'm done for the second time. And I'm, I'm sitting at home, Hayden. It's on Monday morning. Donna's off to school. She's, she's going to college and the kids are at school. And I'm sitting at home and I'm writing my letter of resignation. And I'm, I'm done. God, I missed it. I don't know what. I've been in business all my life, so I've missed it. I, I, so I'm done. I'm writing. I've been there about an hour. I've been praying and crying. And I'm going, okay, God, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, I'm writing this thing out. I'm about three quarters of the way through. Phone rings. I go over and pick it up. Pick telephone up. And it's my mom. Mom's in Lakeland, Florida. I'm in Ohio. Mama said, uh, Tommy, you all right? Yeah, Mom, I'm okay. We, aren't we big liars? I mean, we're talking big fat liars. All right? Understand something. Mama said this. Son, I just want you to understand something. For about the last hour, I've been on my knees at the sofa praying for you, and God told me to call you and tell you one little sentence. Don't quit. Bye. Hung the phone up. Called God is my witness. Hung the phone up. So listen, if you quit, you'll take other people with you. Dad, if you walk out on your marriage, it's going to affect all kinds of people around you. So I just want to encourage you. Pete said, hey guys, I'm going fishing. And all of a sudden you got another of Jesus' best saying, hey, we're going to go with you. We're going with you. Listen, don't quit. If you're here today and you're thinking you're going to quit, you're going to give up, you're tired, keep serving Jesus. Keep loving him. Third, the difference between transformation and carnality is obedience. That's all it is. It's obedience. Okay? Now, let me, let me get you to this point. The disciples out there and they're fishing. Am I okay to come down here and not to blow up? All right. And uh, they're fishing all night long and they catch nothing. Everybody okay? Jesus says... Hey, fellas, have you caught any fish? And what happens? No. No. Because that's what happens to a life without Jesus. It's nothing. Okay? It's called vanity of vanities is what Solomon called it. It's just emptiness without Jesus. Hey, guys, uh, if you cast your nets on the other side of the boat, I believe there's a few fish over there. Now, when I was in Israel, and I think you've been there several times, we went up to the Sea of Galilee, and they actually found one of the boats uh, that dated back to the apostles and, and Peter and all that. And they got it up off the Sea of Galilee and they've reconstructed these boats so you can actually go out onto the Sea of Galilee. And we went out and had a worship service in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. It was, it was phenomenal out there. And, but they reconstructed these things. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. They're, from this monitor right here, let's go one, two, three, four, five, six. That's how far it is from one side of the boat to the other. About 18 feet. That's the difference between success and carnality. Between transformation 
is saying, okay, Jesus, I'm willing to walk 16 feet and I'm willing to cast the net in one more time. See, at Urban Crest, the church I pastor, from the very back seat in our sanctuary to the altar, 78 feet. That's it, just 78 feet to change your life. The difference between moving forward with Christ and the Holy Spirit blessing you and, and instructing you instead of trying to beat you up and try to get you back home, the Holy Spirit is now the wind at your back. And it's because you make a conscious decision to say, okay, Master, you're the Master, you're the Lord. You're the potter, I'm clay. Clay don't have a clue. I've fished all night over here, but I'll go. If you tell me to go, I'll go do it. Because sometimes when he asks us to do things, they don't make sense, do they? And he's not asking for our understanding. He's asking for our obedience. All right, so that's the fourth little thing. Number four, third thing. Number four, Jesus invites us to participate in fellowship with him. That's what he does. Hey, fellas, he didn't, you know, he, man, if it would have been me, I'd have probably walked out on that shore and seen those guys out there and I'd have gone, man, they're a bunch of boneheads. <laughs> Three and a half years I've walked with these guys and they're out there fishing. They ain't figured it out yet that they ain't going to catch a fish unless I'm in the boat. And I, I'd have chewed them out. It's kind of like when you have a prodigal and they run away and sometimes instead of loving on them like the father did and the prodigal son, you chew them out when they come back home. I have a t-shirt for that one. About right? I'm preaching to you what I've experienced. So understand, Jesus wants to go home with you today. He's not mad at you. Matter of fact, he loves you and he loves me more than we could ever imagine that he does. So he invites you. Jesus' invitations were always very simple. Come to me. And those who came to him, follow me. And those who are following me, abide in me. It's simple. Come, follow, and abide. Number five, whether we have anything to give or not is irrelevant. Jesus already provided all the necessary resources. You say, I just don't have anything to bring, Pastor. You don't understand my life. You don't know my story. I don't, we're impoverished. You just don't know what's going on in my life. Whether you think you've got anything or not, Jesus Christ has all the resources necessary. Always has, always will. And so understand, not sure where you're at in your walk and your journey with him, but if you're contemplating a next step of faith and you just say, I, I don't know how to get done, it just seems impossible. God loves stuff that's impossible. He does. He, it just is incredible for him to be able to do things that just kind of blow your mind. So trust him. Number six, the Lord allowed Peter to become a fisherman again so he could remind Peter of his original calling. Interesting. First two words. Jesus said to Peter, follow me. The last two recorded words personally to Peter, follow me. Pete, follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. Now he's back out there fishing again. And Jesus says, hey, Pete, follow me. Get your eyes off everything else and get your eyes back on me. Now, number seven is my favorite point of all. And I hope we can just get in on this one and understand it. Number seven simply says this, Jesus always asks the tough questions. Always. Okay, now, let me, let me do a little teaching here. One, if you really want a great devotional study sometime, go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and just make a study of all the questions Jesus asks people. Okay? It's really a great, great study. And I just want to encourage you also so that we all understand 
then when Jesus asks a question, he doesn't need the answer. Okay? He'd already got it figured out. You understand, there's nothing that's happened in your life that will ever make the, the, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit go into an emergency session and say, I don't, but did you see what Haydn did? I didn't expect that to happen. No, understand, but he'll always ask a tough question. This is, this is the beauty of the, I think, the humor of Scripture. All right? He's got professional fishermen, and he goes up and says, hey, guys, you catching fish? You know how humiliating that is? I mean, I love to play golf. I'll golf for food, okay? Understand this. It would be like me on the first tee standing there, and Jack Nicholas walks up, and I look at Jack and say, are you my caddy today? <laughs> About two, three months ago, uh, I think it was ESPN, might have been NFL channel, but they, they had this experiment they wanted to do. So they took Jared Goff, who is the quarterback uh, for what, Los Angeles Rams? And... Uh, they took him and put him in disguise and sent him into a junior college that hadn't won a game in like four and a half years. And so they gave him all the teammates and players beforehand and everything. And, and so he goes there and he's all in disguise, the whole works. And, and uh, the coach says, hey, we got this kid that's going to transfer into our college. And, and uh, he's going to try out for the position of quarterback. And so they go back and snap the ball, and this wide receiver takes off running, and Jared Goff's going. And the guy's looking back, and he, he's, he's going. He's just going. First pass he throws is 68 yards on a strike to this guy. Everybody's going, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. So they did a couple of drills, and Jared walks over to the existing quarterback, and he says, uh, are you the punter? He says, I'm the quarterback. And he says, well, maybe that's why they brought me in here. And it, I mean, it was, it was all done in jest and afterwards it, it was great. But you imagine, you don't walk up to the quarterback and ask him if he's the punter. Okay? And so Jesus is asking Peter, did you catch any fish? He always asks the tough questions in our life. Adam and Eve, why are you where you're at doing what you're doing? That's what the Hebrew says. Adam, where are you? Now it says, why are you where you're at doing what you're doing? Somebody, Lord, we're naked. Uh, who told you you were naked? So he always probes those questions into our life. And he looks at you, and I'm about to lose this thing up here. I'll put it back on, I promise. He looks at you as he looked at Peter, and he says this, just, I just need to know something. Have you caught any fish? We'll come back to that point. Number eight, miracles will never sustain as only a commitment to serving others can transform us. Miracles never sustain. This is the seventh appearance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These guys have already seen him rise from the grave. I mean, he, they, he's appeared twice, once in a closed room, and he just kind of, whoop, right in the middle of the room. All right? Miracles never sustain us. They never transform us. Only serving others can do that. Hey, Pete, do you love me? Lord, you know I love me. Um, would you go feed my sheep? Remember what the scripture says? Let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Hey, hey Pete, do you love me? Uh, yeah, Lord, second time. Yeah, Lord. Hey, feed my sheep. In other words, don't talk to me about it. Show me you love me. Third time. Hey, Pete. Same answer. Serve me. Find your place in the kingdom. 
Only serving others can give us a life of transformation. Number nine, when Peter once again discovered the barrenness of self-effort, the Lord showed up. Listen, the beauty of Jesus Christ is that uh, he'll always show up. No matter how much we walk away, no matter how much we curse out children at a campfire, no matter what we do, no matter even if we lead others astray, when we decide to walk back to Jesus, Jesus shows up. So you may think, I can't come home. I, I can't do this. I can't do that. Jesus is waiting for you. He's waiting for you. Verse 3 made this little observation. They said to Jesus, or said to Peter, rather, we're going with you. And they went out and immediately got in the boat. And that night they caught absolutely nothing. That word best sums up a life not surrendered to Jesus. Nothing. That word best sums up a life not serving Jesus. Nothing. That word best sums up a life of one who's not sacrificing for Jesus. Nothing. Now, I know this can be a heavy subject, but I'm trying my best to preach to you out of mistakes I've made. And for five years, I thought, boy, if I just provide a good living for my wife and I buy all these toys, I'll have everything. And nearly lost my wife, my children, and everything because I was building on a foundation of sand and nothingness. Number 10, Jesus Christ's purpose in dealing with Peter was not to squelch him nor to crush him. Jesus desired to make Simon Peter one of the greatest persons of all of history. The point was to get Peter out of the way and let Christ take control of his life. The Lord. That was the point. That's it. Pete, if you'll get out of the way, I'll use you. You understand, you realize... Jesus will not share his glory with anyone? That's right. No one. It took me a year and a half to learn that in my first pastor. Jesus doesn't share glory with anybody. I got to get out of the way, and if we're going to do this, it has to be his way. Perfect word, bro. It's got to be there. Number 11, do I love Jesus more than my business? We talked about that. Do I love Jesus more than material things is number 12. Do I love Jesus with sacrificial love? Pete, are you willing to lay on your life for me? Wasn't it John the Baptist that cried out, he must increase, I must decrease? And Jesus says, he's the greatest man ever born, walked on the planet. The rest of the story is very simple. To stop serving is to stop growing. So I just want to encourage you, Walk Church. I, when I came out here this week, you know, I've always, every time I've been out, we've, been at, you know, we, we've come over and helped y'all set up. And so I haven't been out in the summer when you don't have set up. Man, hallelujah on that one. Yeah. I mean, amen. Uh, don't take that for granted, but I'm telling you, I know this work. That's hard work. Hiding, I've never done that. I've had building everywhere I went. It's hard work. And if you're weary and well-doing, got a good word for you. They don't quit. Don't quit. Just keep coming and setting up chairs. By the way, while you're setting them up, pray over them. You never know who's going to sit there and their life is going to be transformed. You have no idea what God might do in your life. You might be the next person to plant a church in Las Vegas. You might be the next person to come to the mission field of Ohio and plant a church there. You don't know what God's going to do. Find your spot and do it well for the Lord. A fisherman catches living fish, but when he gets them, they die. A Christian witness seeks to catch dead fish that are dead in their sins, and when he catches them, they're made alive. 
There's a parable called the parable of the sheep and the goat. Right now, Jesus changed goats and the sheep. Isn't that cool? I'm telling you, we got a boss that can do transformation process if we'll surrender our life to him. Thirdly, there's a difference between growing up and growing old. Look at your neighbor and say, boy, that was good, wasn't it? I'm almost done. I promise. I don't know how much time I got left hiding. Am I okay? I'm almost done. I already mentioned number four, never trying to impress Jesus. Number five, Jesus had a formula for growth. It's minding your own business. Am I okay? What about John? What did Pete say? What is, that? what is that your business? You follow me. Listen, when I walked out of church, you know why? I got my eyes on people instead of Jesus. Many times we get our eyes on things instead of Jesus. We get our eyes on self and self-indulgence more than Jesus. I'll finish with this. Jesus asked his disciples a simple question, have you caught any fish? Someday when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, right. Jesus will ask you and I the same question. Did you catch any fish? Did you catch them? I want to encourage you. Dr. A.W. Tozer made this statement that's been eating on me for a couple months now when I read it in a devotion. God is looking for people to whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things we can do by ourselves. Listen, I, I want to urge you. I, no, can I, can I go a little stronger here? Well, the old King James says, I beseech you. You ever been beseeched? You're getting it right now. It means you're so burdened you're begging people to respond. Listen, if you're here today and thinking about quitting, don't quit. If you're here today thinking about serving somewhere in ministry, do it. Do it today. You need to come. You need to run to that tent out there as fast as you can. Wherever you get to volunteer and sign up for it, go, do it today. Listen, I can take you back to all of my Sunday school teachers I had who used Ben and Mabel Hensley taught a fifth grade boys Sunday school class. That's purgatory on wheels. Oh, Ben and Mabel would come over every Sunday and lay their hands on us boys and say, boys, God's got a plan for your life. He's going to use you someday. And they taught Sunday school faithfully in that church for over 40 years. God's going to use you, boys. Why? Because they saw something in us we didn't see. God sees it in you. Listen, if God's calling you to ministry today, I deal with people who live their life backwards and nothing but regrets. Hayden, they'll say to me, Pastor Tom, God called me to, I think, the mission field when I was a teenager and I didn't do it. What do I do now? I'm 50, 60 years old. What do I do? Listen, you're not too old. Why would you retire when you can re-enlist? Get back in the fight. You take an eight count every while and you get knocked down, they get you up, put some smelling sauce on you and you jump back in the fight. Everybody okay? So I understand. I, yeah. So I just beg you, find a spot in the kingdom for you. Let it become your, let's use a golf term, your sweet spot. And begin serving Jesus. Not because you have to, cause because he did it all for you. That's why we keep doing what we're doing.
That's why we came to Las Vegas, to help you keep doing what you're doing. Walk Church, there's not a week goes by we don't pray for you. Not a week goes by that we don't lift your church up in prayer and ask God to let you walk and take enemy territory. 